Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Our topic today is the Latin language, probably one of the most famous and influential dead languages of all time. Now, the reason why they call it a dead language, uh, they meaning scholars, linguists, people like that, is because today there are few, if any, people where Latin is actually their native language. The only country left in the world where it's actually one of the official languages is the tiny uh, country, which is technically independent of Vatican City, which is the headquarters of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church, located entirely within the city of Rome. So, we're gonna, I'm going to try to go over some of the details as to where this language came from, why it's important, why it's influential, where it spread, and uh, I'm going to give a few pronunciation notes as well. So, let's get started. The roots of the Latin language lie deep within ancient history. Now, we're talking hundreds of years before... Uh, the Roman Empire, so that moment where the Roman Republic became the Roman Empire. The Latin language itself, the word Latin, comes from Latium. Now, this was the Roman name for the region where Rome was founded, so in central Italy. Latin was the language of the Romans and the chief language of the Western Roman Empire. Now, notice I specified Western, because at a certain point, um, you know, into the history of the Roman Empire, the Romans realized that it was too big for one man to administer, and they established a city in the east called Constantinople, named after Emperor Constantine, which became the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. And the culture there was very old, uh, and the Romans indeed copied a lot of their architecture, music, uh, mythology, stuff like that most notably from the Greeks and the Greek city-state. So in the Eastern Roman Empire, Greek remained the dominant language of everyday life. So sometimes, you know, you'll hear uh, historians or scholars talk about events or people in the Latin Empire versus the Greek Empire, that is to say the Western part versus the Eastern part, stuff like that. The Latin language was carried into all of these new territories uh, by Roman soldiers. So Latin was being spoken from the hill countries of Iberia or Hispania, which is today uh, Spain or Portugal, all the way across the Mediterranean and the Middle East and North Africa, stuff like that. Now, the Latin that the ancient Romans spoke is now called classical Latin because over the centuries it did change. Language is very much a product of human beings, and human beings are alive. So languages themselves are living entities. They change over time. I mean, just think now the slang of the English language in 2020 versus the slang of the English language in 1920. I mean, nobody says cat's pajamas anymore, you know, or anything like that. So classical Latin is our starting point. Uh, this was the Latin of Virgil and Cicero. These are two ancient Roman, very famous, famous writers. And a lot of Latin students today study their texts uh, because their Latin was very poetic, uh, also very pure. It's often used as a guidebook for understanding the grammar, the syntax, the pronunciation of ancient Latin. 
Now, we do know that there was a lower form of everyday Latin that was also used. And one of the ways we know this is because of the graffiti that has been found on the walls of Pompeii. So even back then, you know, there was a proper form of the language and there was kind of a street form of the language. And this exists in so many different languages, you know, even today. Uh, think of, you know, the kind of casual slang uh, English that you'll use with your friends versus the proper English that you'll use when writing an essay or in a job interview, or you'll see news reporters use this type of English, stuff like that. Now, the Romans, as they left the Italian peninsula, so the boot of Italy, and took the Latin language to what's called the provinces, so Hispania, Gaul, Britannia, Dacia, places like that, eventually, over time, regional dialects uh, emerged. So this was called Vulgar Latin. The word vulgar nowadays means like disgusting or obscene or anything like that. But the original meaning of vulgar just means common. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we got this meaning of vulgar meaning like dirty or, or obscene or anything because it, it was associated with common people, uh, the commoners, uh, the working class and stuff like that. After the fall of Rome in the 5th century, the language started to change and these regional dialects that I talked about evolved into the Romantic or Romance languages. <laughs> so when you see these languages, this is a family of languages that exists in Europe. It's one of the big three, in my opinion, language families in Europe. Uh, these big three families are Romantic, Germanic, and Slavic. So Germanic would include, you know, Dutch and German. Romantic would include uh, Spanish, French, Italian, Slavic uh, would include Polish, Ukrainian, Russian, stuff like that. The word romantic or romance in this context has nothing to do with like Harlequin novels uh, or, you know, the notebook or anything like that. It's just from the word Roman. It just tells you that these languages came from Latin, which came from the Romans. And as I hinted uh, just a moment ago, the Romantic language family in Europe includes Portuguese, Spanish, French, Italian, uh, and all of these like little regional dialects that exist to this day, things like uh, Catalan, uh, and you know, like you'll, you'll see these slightly different versions uh, in different pockets of these countries. Uh, and it also includes Romanian, uh, Roma Romania coming from land of the Romans. Although in Roman times, the province was called Dacia or Dacia, as we'll get to in a minute. Latin continued to be used by the Catholic Church uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire because it was headquartered in Rome. And what you see here is Latin had always been used as what's called a liturgical or ecclesiastical language. Uh, the, the ecclesiastical and liturgical are just uh, fancy words to describe like relating to the ritual and tradition uh, of a religious organization. So ecclesiastical or liturgical Latin just means church Latin. And there were some differences in pronunciation. And to this day, church Latin is what you'll hear uh, Vatican officials use. And if you're into horror movies uh, about demons or the devil, every time they have a scene with an exorcism or an exorcist and they're reading off this Latin text, it's always church Latin. So what's the difference other than, you know, a period of time elapsing? Well, 
classical Latin, the letter V, for example, was pronounced as a W. And we all know this line from Julius Caesar when he arrived in Gaul. The famous line is Veni, Vidi, Vici. You know, I came, I saw, I conquered. Um, now, in classical Latin, that would actually be pronounced Veni, Vidi, Wiki, which is, I don't know, for some reason it just doesn't sound as cool. But uh, later on in ecclesiastical Latin, it was pronounced as a V. So, you know, the word wine versus vine. And even today, Italian, like the Italian language, in my opinion, is the most direct ancestor of, or um, direct descendant of Latin. And it makes sense, you know, geographically, like in modern Italian, like a C is pronounced as a ch. Uh, but in classical Latin, C uh, was pronounced hard and it was pronounced like a modern K. Uh, you know, it was a hard C, like in the word case, whereas in church Latin, it would be chase. Um, in, in church Latin, it's it's softer. So, for example, have you ever wondered why um, on a tombstone you'll see R.I.P.? Well, that stands for requiescat in pace, which means rest in peace. But in classical Latin, it would be requiescat in pace, which is, uh, you know, slightly different. Um, when, you know, liturgical Latin, you would say Caesar instead of like Caesar, like Caesar, things like that. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the Latin language. The effect of the Latin language and the Roman Empire on the foundation, the kind of creation, this lasting legacy of Western civilization that we're still living in today uh, cannot be calculated. I really think that the Latin language, just by virtue of living in a Western country, is almost culturally encoded uh, into our kind of social historical DNA. Uh, and you can see this everywhere, you know, like this, this popular trope in especially sci-fi and fantasy movies is when you have these action sequences, you have this epic choir in the background which is chanting or singing in Latin. I mean, more often it's faux Latin or just something that like sounds like Latin. Uh, Latin is pretty much everywhere. It's a feature of classics departments all over the world. Uh, J.K. Rowling was a classics major and you can see a lot of this faux Latin in the Harry Potter uh, franchise, you know, things that sound Latin and she would have studied it. Uh, Games Workshop properties, you know, they use a lot of uh, faux Latin uh, horror movies, especially horror movies dealing with the Roman Catholic Church or the devil or demons. Uh, one of my favorite horror movies is uh, Cabin in the Woods. And there's a scene, they're in this cabin, and there's this one guy who's just suspicious, and this door flies open, and he says, no, do not go through that door. And then they go through the door. And then he's like, no, don't go down those stairs into the dark basement. And then they go down those stairs into the dark basement. And then one of them, this girl, she picks up a book and she's, oh, it's written in Latin. And he's like, oh, no, no, definitely no. Like, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Do not read the Latin. So it's kind of like it's like a horror movie trope that Latin is something arcane, archaic, uh, almost sinister. Uh, you'll see this all the time. The Latin was also featured in The Handmaid's Tale. There's a, there's a very distinct message that the uh, protagonist kind of comes in contact with. 
and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely still around. Uh, the standard text for decades for learning Latin was Wheelock's Latin, and that's still used all over the world. And for those of you out there that might be interested in learning Latin, I mean, I'll give you kind of the pro and the con. I mean, the pro is that learning Latin gives you an incredible understanding of other languages, like even English. Um, English, you know, technically is a Germanic language, but so much of the language, especially as you increase your the complexity of the thoughts you're trying to express, uh, moves away from this Germanic base to you know something more um, Latin, you know, by way of French or directly from Latin. So you know, like for example, the English word house is from German house, like H A U S. But for a more fancy house, mansion, it comes from maison. Uh, you know, like uh, there's, you know, the word stomach versus belly. Um, a lot of these things. Uh, the word mountain versus hill. Um, so, it, and especially, uh, this is the classic example that people give, you know, the benefits of learning Latin is for science and medicine. Uh, Latin was kind of the language of the educated classes in Europe for centuries. And even to this day, like if you're going to learn medicine, uh, zoology, veterinary studies, biology, anything like that, uh, Latin is hugely useful. It's also useful in kind of understanding, uh, you know, the, the descendants of the Latin language. So if you want to dabble in, in French or Spanish or Italian. Now, Latin, especially classical Latin is, in my opinion, more grammatically complex and more difficult to learn than any of its descendants. I think over the centuries, a lot of people that spoke these regional dialects, they, they dropped and kind of simplified the language. So for example, um, in Spanish or in French, you know, nouns have a gender, masculine, feminine, like el and la in Spanish and la and la in, in French. Um, and if you've ever studied this, you, you know this already, but in classical Latin, there's actually three genders. There's masculine, feminine, and neutral. Another thing is that, you know, sentence meaning in English is very heavily dependent on word order. So, you know, the dog bites the man does not mean the same thing as the man bites the dog. Uh, but in, in classical Latin, what you do is you have these, these nouns in a sentence and, um, they have something called declension, where like a word will change form according to its function in a sentence. So is it the subject of the sentence? Is it the object? Is it the indirect object? Stuff like that. So in Latin, um, the word man and dog, like the ending would change. Uh, and then you could put that word anywhere you want in the sentence. Uh, whereas in English, it's like, no, it's where it is in the sentence and the word man and dog, if you rearrange them, the actual spelling of the word doesn't change. Like, I hope that's not, you know, going over your head. You're like, what is this guy talking about? Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely, it's called case. Uh, case is, is like a grammatical concept uh, where depending on kind of what the function of words are in a sentence, the pattern of changing the words is called declension. Um, sometimes you'll see this with verbs, like if you remember French and conjugation. Conjugation is just changing the ending of a verb according to its voice and its number. So like, you know, first person singular versus third person plural in a language like French or Spanish or whatever, your verb is actually going to change its spelling. Um, 
So that in some languages, like in Spanish, like first person singular, a lot of times they just drop it because it's faster and simpler. So people will just say tengo instead of yo tengo. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> I hope that's not too much linguistic geekiness for you. But uh, that's just kind of what I wanted to tell you, the listener. Uh, if you're if you're curious about like you know getting into Latin, dabbling in Latin, um, that's kind of like what to expect uh, versus modern English. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today uh, in our brief talk about the Latin language. Hopefully I've uh, lit a fire to inspire you to go learn the language of the ancients. Carpe diem. Seize the day. So, well, hopefully. (laughs) This has been Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bitesizedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. And thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye.